Welcome to the Rise Science Podcast. On today's episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with Katie Mackay. Katie is head of sales enablement and distribution strategy at John Hancock Investments, one of the largest life insurers in the U.S. with nearly $132 billion in assets under management. Katie has over 20 years of experience in the financial industry, starting at Putnam, a global investment firm, and then later at Lincoln Financial. At John Hancock, Katie oversees training, development, implementation of data and technology for sales success. In an industry that can seem quite traditional and stodgy from the outside, Katie stands out as a sales leader with a bold, human-oriented approach to how to support her team's well-being and empower their performance. She's actually recently invested in meditation for her team and is exploring how sleep might also play in. I'm really excited to talk to Katie today to have a discussion about why she believes that the human component is such a critical part of an effective sales enablement strategy. Katie, welcome to the show. Great. Thanks, Jeff. Glad to be here. Yeah, yeah. It's so fun. And uh, just even before we got live... So interesting to hear you talk about some of the changes with work from home, how you're thinking about employee well-being and happiness. Um, And so I'm very, very excited just to hear how you got there. And I really want to start with your background. I mean, you started, you know, ultimately selling financial products. But how did you get there from a background in political science? What what was that switch? And, um, you know, how did you get into ultimately selling? That's a that's a great question. Uh, kicking and screaming, actually. Um, so I, I was a poli sci major, but I graduated. I'm, I'm quite old now. I'm going to be 50. But um, we um, when I graduated, there was just no job. So I started working um, for a think tank in Washington and loved it. Um, but that was kind of an internship and then worked for an insurance company actually as a, a bodily injury claims adjuster where I would have to go get statements from people. And just really didn't like that whole process. And so um, networked with someone and found a job as an assistant, actually, at a financial services company and sat next to the sales desk and was like, you know, these people have a lot of fun. I think I would like to do this. And so it just kind of took off from there. Interesting. Yeah, and I've never looked back. I, I love it. Love it. What, I mean, what, when you were there, like at the desk as an assistant, just hearing it, like what, what was going on? I mean, were, was it just like they were on the phones all day and like you were like, what are you, yeah. you know, what was... They're, they're, they were on the phones a lot, but, you know, this was, like, early, like, mid-90s, right? So um, it was just a lot of people liking to have a good time, giving each other a hard time, wanting to go out afterwards. And I was, like, 22 years old, and I'm like, this is kind of incredible. Like, they're working hard, but they're also having so much fun, and um, they, they have such a good time doing it that I was like, you know, I could do this. Like, this isn't rocket science. Like, I could do this. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I'm just such a social person that it just, it just worked for me. I actually was really afraid of it, um, to present in front of people or to, uh, make outbound phone calls that were cold calls. It still makes me like want to be sick because I was just so stressed about it. But, um, you know, once you get on a roll and I worked with some really good people that taught me a lot of really good, um, ways to connect with people via phone, I started to really get into it. And then, when I worked at Putnam, eventually they promoted me out to the field. And it was one of those things where I really didn't want to do it. I kind of explained to them multiple <laughs> times and they were just like, well, if you want to keep moving forward, this is the role for you. So I moved to St. Louis, Missouri and uh, from Boston, which was a big move and um, just kind of went on the journey. I just feel like the right, you know, things happen and you get to kind of just go with it and figure it out from there. It's cool to just like, it was actually like the fun and excitement in sales. And then you started doing it. You're like, oh, I actually kind of like this. 
I loved it. Um, and, and, you know, the best thing for me about sales, um, you know, I know a lot of salespeople love hitting the number, right? That's like their big thing. For me, I always like the connection with people. Um, that always is what drove me is just really helping people and understanding why they, you know, where they were in their own business and what they needed from us and how could I help them further their business, knowing that in the end they would help me with my business too. And to me, I needed a reward and, and the financial reward, while it was great, wasn't really what motivated me. It was more of the seeing progress and helping people really was what motivated me and realizing that that's okay in a sales role doesn't make you any less competitive or good at what you're doing. My sales numbers were always very, very good, but it was just a different way. Um, I love that. And it, it's been, it, it's an interesting journey, right? Like it was much more rewarding. Well, and it's, it, you're, you're at the end of the day, like you don't feel like you're just hitting a number. You're really helping someone see progress in their own life and right. their own business and leading from a place of empathy, which is something we talk about a ton on, on the show. And we've talked with some great people about that. It's like, so interesting that for you just came naturally like hey i I know if i can make someone else's life easier better their business more successful that's a win for me it is and 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 the other thing was too is um i worked in i work in a male dominated business right like so i think when i became a salesperson i think i may have been around the eighth woman that they had ever hired to go out in the field at that company which says a lot but i think empathy comes very naturally to women and it was i used it actually as a differentiator not on purpose i didn't go into it thinking i'm going to be empathetic and come at it that way to be a differentiated person other than my competitors but it just kind of worked that way and yeah so i had a lot of times where people would call me and just ask me for their for advice and many times i would actually refer them to other companies just knowing that that was a better fit than what we had and and you know years later i still have people that call me just to say you know we really appreciated that honesty and um and the ability, and and knowing that you weren't always out for yourself, that you really truly wanted to help us. Yeah. And that's rewarding right there. It's, yeah, it's super rewarding, and it's I, I think that's the best of what sales can be, and it gets such a bad reputation uh, for so many uh, different reasons. And and one of the interesting things in talking with, we've had a couple like you know really prominent sales leaders uh, on the show. Some of them, Craig Wortman is an example, who mm-hmm. runs the Sales Institute at Kellogg, oh, and wow. they you know study sales all day and he started his career at IBM and I brought up this idea of like you know we're seeing a lot of sales teams and sales leaders go more towards what you're talking about Mm -hmm. how do we lead with empathy how do we help solve the customer's job whether or not it's our solution like how do we help them see progress like that seems like it's the in vogue style and so I asked Craig I was like is this new and he told me he's like you know Jeff back in the the uh I think it was early 80s when he was onboarding at IBM he's like that's what we were taught Totally. You know, it was actually starting there. And so he's like, I don't know where along the way we got, you know, misguided, but but ultimately coming back to that point of like, your job is to help someone else and being really good at that, um, yep. I think is important. And, you know, I've obviously done a d- number of different uh, of roles in sales. And one of the things, you know, my graduate degree is actually in design and product design. Oh, cool. And um, not in sales. But I remember going back because I was doing enterprise sales. And I remember going back to my graduate program and I, I remember saying like, you're all designers and you're teaching, you know, we're teaching design, but you actually have an amazing background to do sales because you're all wired for empathy and you actually totally. are taught 
how to do ethnographic research and how to do user research and interviews. And like, that's really what you're doing. That's what great sales is. Totally. Totally. But, and I think, and and, you know, the other thing is too, is like, you know, you see a lot of salespeople get burnout and if you're just pitching the same product every day and that's all you're doing. And and I can remember having this out of body experience one time driving in between customers in North, I had Northern California and I was thinking like, this is it. Like, really? Like, this is all I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Like, this can't be it. And I think it's because you're talking product. And once you switch it and go more to the empathy side and you hear people's stories and what they're trying to do and how they're trying to help their customers, you really, to me, that's much more engaging. And you're using your brain. And oh, yeah. I just think you have a longer life expectancy, I think, when, when you're doing that. Interesting. Yeah, I really like that approach. For you, so when you think about just coming up through, um, you know, obviously now you're you're leading a much bigger uh, team, have a different <laughs> mandate than an individual seller. Uh, w- was the link between sort of sleep and your well-being, uh, not sleep, I'm sorry, just your own performance and your well-being, like, was that something that you thought about, you know, in, in sales? I mean, it seems like definitely the empathy piece was big to you. And it definitely seems like you were aware of you know what, I'm not feeling super satisfied with selling this way and I'm going to change. But did that evolve in any way for you as you started to get more mature in your career? Yeah, it did. So I actually, um, you know, when I was a salesperson, as most people on the road, we don't eat very healthy. So, um, you know, I was kind of living on uh, Dunkin' Donuts coffee when I could find (laughs) it and, uh, you know, candy at gas stations when I was gassing up. And I really put a, did a number to my immune system. So I actually developed an autoimmune disorder um, in my uh, early 30s. So I was still a salesperson out in the field. And sleep, I was not sleeping. I um, had a really high stress, like um, anxiousness, nervousness. It was like this whole crazy experience that I had never had. I was a pretty mellow person. Um, and... I just had to do, I've done a very long health route um, to try to heal myself. And along the way, um, you know, a few years ago, I really reached a max stress point with work and my health. And I really, that's when I flipped to uh, meditation myself. And it really, I think, saved my life. Um, And it made such an impact on my own performance that, um, I started to think about that and, and my diet, I, I eat a very restrictive diet just because of my autoimmune and started to realize that, you know, by eating certain foods, I was thinking more clearly, uh, by meditating, I was, I was more focused and by sleeping more, I was more focused and able to concentrate better in meetings. I was having a very hard time concentrating, had a lot of brain fog all due to my autoimmune and my gut, but my gut health, but I think that that started to make me realize that, hey, wait a minute, like, you know, we have salespeople today that work five days a week. They work their, their butts off, right? They're working 50, 60 hours a week, and they're very productive. But if you want more productivity out of them and to sell more, like, you're not going to get more hours in the day. Like, you've already maximized that. So what are we going to do as a company to help these people become more productive And it's not time. So what other things can you use around the margins? And that's when I started to say, like, man, like if you think about sleep and meditation and food and working out, if you start doing those things, when you are in a meeting with a client, you're much more focused. You can listen better. 
Um, and, and through that, I think you would drive more sales and more productivity because you're much more in tune than if you just show up in a meeting, you slam out what you need to get done and you leave. Right, right. And not only on the productivity side, but just on the well-being side and the retention side. Correct. Like you're going to have people that are burnt out. I mean, you, thankfully, you found these tools and you were able to find them on your own. Yes. And so one of the questions that we think about a lot is, you know, why, you know, so you're very focused on, on, on saying, okay, time is maxed out. So we can't, we can't have our salespeople spend more time um, in terms of just number of hours. Can we make those hours more efficient and can we make those hours better and the quality of the time better? And so what, what sorts of things are you looking at even within that? So obviously you've mentioned, you know, sleep and meditation, nutrition, Mm -hmm. exercise, like those are sort of basics. Why haven't you focused more on like, you know, let's get better lead generation. Let's get better numbers. Oh, we've done that. And, and. Yeah. So how do you think about, you know, when you're sitting in that meeting, it's like, look, we got to hit this number. Yep. We want to do it in the right way. That's that, that, that is going to help our people. Like what's been the trade-off and what, what's been that, that discussion internally about like, well, should we do this? Like, I know, I know you recently invested in meditation for your team. Like what was that discussion like with the other leaders at John Hancock to say, let's invest in meditation and not like, you know, upgrade our like, you know, CRM tool to have this new plugin that's going to auto dial in people's, lo- you know, like what, what was that like uh, trying to have that conversation? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not been easy. I will say that. So, um, so I, 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 you know, I run sales enablement, so I do focus on efficiency and tools and how are we putting messages out and what kind of ways are we giving them to our salespeople and how do we make them more efficient from even what we're pushing out? So, so I definitely do that and I'm known for that in our company. So what, um, what I think that gave me a leverage a little bit so that when I did start bringing some of this stuff in, it wasn't like I just was like popping stuff from nowhere onto something. You know, I, I, I work with all men, um, some women, but mostly men, and they're very traditional. I work in financial services, so this is obviously a little bit crazy for them sometimes. So so I, I started dripping probably about three or four years ago on some of this stuff and just saying, like, hey, I meditate, just kind of, like, feeling them out, and then um, started to find some of the salespeople that came off my sales desk and went into the field and, and started talking to them, and they were meditating. So I kind of started saying, like, here's some top performers out in the field that meditate. So I would kind of drop that into conversations, like, hey, you know, it's not just me anymore. It's like, here's this person and this person that are doing really well in the field, and they're still meditating. Um, and then we came into contact with a woman from Harvard that um, – started to do um, a seminar for some of our advisors and, and it started to get a good uptake. And so I went back to them and just said, Hey, look, like people want meditation. They want to figure out how to make themselves better and also a better version of themselves, whether it be at work or at home, like people are stressed and thank you know, I don't thank goodness for COVID, but COVID certainly helped in that, you had people that were so traditional that now were working out of their house and in a whole different ball game that they had ever been in themselves. And I think they all started to feel some of the impacts of that isolation. And, and, and the, um, the senior people were very, very worried about employee engagement. And so once you start getting into employee engagement, 
when you start bringing up some of these tools, people are much more open-minded about it from that perspective. For whatever reason, employee engagement, they're all about it. If you say it's going to help with productivity, that's a lot harder for them to understand. Interesting. So why fight it? Go with the path of least resistance. Right. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Engagement is such an interesting concept because I feel like it's gotten so much uptake and even if you look at like the you know annual strategic plans of a lot yeah. of the big public companies, employee engagement's a KPI. It is. Um, have you seen it? You know, from a sales standpoint, how have you seen that evolve? And you know, what are you? I, I would say, like, what would be the advice that you have to other sales enablement leaders, other sales leaders, even just other business leaders that they're trying to figure out? Look, I'm responsible for this number. I've got limited time yep. on on how to make sure my team performs. What advice would you have about where that time should go based on, you know, you're sort of leading the pack. You've done now a number of initiatives yep. uh, to help your people be better. Are you seeing the wins there? Like where, knowing what you know now, you know, yep. how would you structure your time? Is it like 50% of your time on sort of like tools, tactics, messaging, and 50% on like, you know, the person? Yeah. Is it something totally different than that? Like how, how would you, what, strategically, how do you think about it? Yeah, I think about 75-25 right now, and that's basically because of our organization, right? So 75 tools and, and efficiencies that we can do with our products and messaging and all that, 25% I'm starting to get there. You know, I was at zero, so I'm, I'm like excited yeah. about getting to 25. Um, I did a meditation course. It was a four-month course. I opened it up and said anyone on my inside sales desk that wants to sign up can sign up. We only have 16 spots, all 16 filled, and it was all of my top performers. Um, and what was interesting about that is is that I don't know if I've seen I, – I mean, we're still in the middle of it, so I don't know what the sales lift is going to be. I do know this, though. They are a lot happier. They are less stressed, and they continually thank me for investing in them. And, and we do a lot of training. This is the biggest one that I've ever had this many people reach out to me and say, this is like having a profound effect on my life. Um, and to me, if I own a company, and, and right now, you know, you don't want to be losing good people because even if you have, there's a lot of people out in the market, but a lot of them aren't high quality, I would say, um, for what we were looking for. Anyway, and I feel like the more I can keep people that I already have, it's cheaper. Um, I think the culture stays intact, and, and I, I just think everyone's a lot happier. I My retention level this year, I usually have a 30% turnover of people getting promoted or getting moved on. This year, I haven't had that. I think it's been like a 10% uh, turnover. Now, that could be in due, in fact, to COVID, but I think yeah. a lot of it is they're, they're happy. Um and, uh, you know, to me that at the end of the day, that's all, that's all you want is you want happy employees. Yeah. And if you have happy employees, they're going to more productive, be great with their customers, yes. they're more productive. And so, yep. um, how do you, have you found, I mean, it, the, the nugget around engagement, it seems like was helpful for you and specifically COVID brought that on. Yes. And, you know, two questions, have you found any other wins on saying, you know, and in our case, we've actually done very rigorous ROI analysis, tying literally the minutes of sleep you get and how yes. sleep deprived you are to how many you know dollars you bring in at the end of the month. So we've done that work and you know super sophisticated analysis. From what I can tell, I don't think a single other you know sort of tool that's offered to sales teams has that level of, of no. rigorous uh, you know evidence. But even that isn't enough. To, to, to get a leader to say, yeah, I'm willing to, to put real budget behind this. 
um, in many cases. And so what's your advice for other leaders that are in your shoes that are saying, look, I'm trying to get meditation off the ground. I'm trying to get sleep off the ground. Yeah. I'm trying to get just some focus on it. I mean, where, how do you get your head of sales? How do you get your CFO over yeah. the hump to say, I want to invest X amount in this? Like how, what would be, what's your pitch? It's a challenge. So I, um, what I did was I just, like I said, I, I am a salesperson. So I do, I have what's called the slow drip method <laughs> and I just slowly drip on and I, I play the long game. I don't play the short game. So, um, I will keep kind of reiterating it. And when I see, um, him start to give in a little bit, that's when I kind of pounce in or I'll see opportunities. COVID provided one of those opportunities. I bet that if COVID hadn't hit, I probably would have had another year before I would have gotten this approved. Um, I think because COVID caused such high stress levels in a lot of people and people were so worried about depression, high depression rates, um, isolation with employees, because I have all millennials. They're now working at home in these studio apartments. And I think that fear of, oh, my gosh, like we want to make sure people are OK right now. Um, that helped me a lot. Um, but what I would say is play the long game. I think it's a cultural change and shift for people. You know, sleep and nutrition and, um, you know, meditation are some of those things where that you either are a believer or you're not a believer. So if they're not a believer, then you've got to try to figure out what do they believe in and how do you kind of connect this to that. So, um, you know, trying to use real life cases. I think it helps a lot that I did it myself. Um, and for me yeah. to say, like, this has made such an impact on my life and, and, and them seeing the change maybe for me in meetings, you know, not as stressed out and aggressive and more like, okay, I'm listening. I'm still not the best at that, but I try. Um, but, but I do think it's, it's the long game and just building up a slow case. And, and like I said, using this small group to do a little trial. I know I'm, I'm talking with Nick, as you know, to try to do something like that with Rise, because I think when they see that ROI on a small thing, they start to understand, wait a minute, this could be good. Um, I think it just, it just takes a little bit to shift the mindset. So it's like, you know, one, a couple things I'm hearing. One is, you know, use the short-term opportunity of COVID that like this is sharp in leaders' minds right now. Totally. And, and, you know, I don't know what your belief is, but I think it's like probably here to stay because people are now thinking about this. Uh, yes. people are and winter's coming. That's what I keep saying. Winter's Winter is coming. coming. <laughs> <laughs> Winter is coming. Um, and so use that. Uh, and there's this, there's an opportunity now to bring it up. But then additionally, can you get, launch a small pilot and, and somehow show ROI in yes. whatever way is meaningful for, you know, whoever is going to be signing the check ultimately yes. if it's. You yes. know, engagement or if it's revenue or yes. if it's, you know, how do you tie it to that? Well, and I also did. So for my meditation budget, I did have to get approval from my boss, but it was a small enough amount that I actually had that in my own budget. So I used my own budget to pay for that and then just went to him and said, hey, look, I'm, I'm thinking about doing this. I have a lot of people asking for it. I uh, just thought I would try it. What do you think? And he said, yeah, that sounds great. You have the budget. Go for it. So so that is another one just to do it small with a small amount of money that you don't need to get tons of approval and then take that result. And then I transition it into the next thing. Like, OK, now I want to offer it to some of my outside people. 
so I get the small win, show it's working, yeah. and leverage it. Yeah, and then it's not threatening to them, right? It's not like you're asking right. for millions of dollars to go all in on something. You're just saying, I just right. try it. Exactly, exactly. I like that approach. So one of the things that's interesting to me is, um, and we were talking about this actually before you got on the call, was you get like tons of cold email. A bunch of it's probably yes. spam and whatever. But Nick sent you an email. Yes. And, uh, you know, we didn't know about your recent investment in meditation, but what made you respond to yeah. say, this is something I should like talk to this <laughs> random person. I have no idea who this company rises. I have no idea who Nick is. I have no idea. <laughs> and you had a meditation program going. What made you say, I, Hey, I actually want to double down more. Yeah. And like, yeah, I'm willing to take a call. Other than maybe you were in a good mood that morning when you saw our email. No, 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 it wasn't actually. So I was going through, I actually have struggled with sleep for quite a while. I'm going to be 50. So, you know, with that comes a lot of struggle for sleep for women. So I've been dying on sleep for quite a while. And I know a lot of other salespeople that are in the same boat. And a lot of my salespeople say to me, you know, my brain, I can't shut my brain off in the middle of the night. It's just so hard to slow down and, and that was one of the reasons why we did meditation, too, was I just said, you know, that's helped me a bit. But I still am not sleeping all the time. So when I read that email that day, I'd had actually a really poor night of sleep. And uh, when I read Nick's um, email, I was like, huh, that's kind of good timing. So then I was like, you know what, I'm going to reach out to him and, and see what he has to say. And um, it's been great. Um, but, it, but it is kind of interesting how the topic, I think the topic of sleep, there's more people than not that have issues sleeping. And I, and I think that um, it's a topic that a lot of people have issues with, but they don't talk about. It's almost like mental health, right? Where it's like, they don't want to talk about that, yeah. but they're having it. And, well, and it's, you know, I think what we've seen and what we've started to normalize at Rise, but, but maybe outside is like getting away, you know, there's this stigma of like, yeah, I've got sleep issues and maybe there's something wrong if I have sleep issues. But being able to normalize that a little bit and then really making it about like, you know, the, the, what we all feel, which is we're just a little tired. And that's actually why I got into this about 10 years ago is I was just fascinated with the, the observation that I'd wake up, I'd feel totally crappy and I'd feel like depressed waking up in the morning. And then throughout the day, I'm like pounding coffee and I'm figuring out all these other tools and techniques to try and stay awake. And like, I'm just str like my brain is foggy. And it's like, is this really how I'm supposed to be feeling? Yeah. And it didn't sit right with me back then. And so, you know, but the, the whole genesis of, of the of the company was just, there's so many people walking around tired that are just so underperforming their potential, not only at work and at home. And, right. um, and if we could get people to understand how to flip tiredness uh, and, and use their sleep as like just this huge advantage, totally. uh, we, we could see a, a big positive change in the world. And so... Um, that's, you know, the, the moment we can get someone to be like, oh, wow, now I have more energy because I like, got a little more sleep. Like, that's the aha moment uh, in the same, you know. Well, and think about how many nicer, kinder, more patient people there would be in the world, too, right? Because I think that lack of sleep, I know for myself anyway, my family would make comments about, like, hey, you know, you're kind of on edge. Like, you got to, like, settle down a little bit. And I notice that the nights that I do get good sleep and that I've, you know, and I go to bed early just because I feel like, you know, it gets me there. But um, I'm much happier, more focused, less less edgy. 
Yeah, you it's know? Uh, one of the things we've seen pretty consistently is sometimes someone will say like, I was, you know, going to therapy and I was taking all of these, you know, different medications and I thought I had paranoia and I thought yeah. I had all these issues and then I just started to get a little more sleep and it all went away. Yes. And, you know, but it's not surprising. If you look at this, the data, it's like, you know, if you go from seven hours of sleep to eight or if you go from eight hours of sleep to seven hours of sleep for a week, yep. 50% of people will, will feel clinical levels of anxiety. Yeah. Like most of us aren't even getting seven. No. So like it's it's just, I, I think the, there there's so much about mental health I think that's important and expanding access yes. and sleep is not the cure-all. But it is certainly a place that if you're having, you know, any sort of issue with like, you're a little bit tired, you're not as productive as you want to be, you're finding it more more hard than usual to get your work done, you're a little edgy at home, it's like, start there, yeah. so then layer in these other pieces and, totally. um, and, you know, why not? Yeah, no, 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 I know. I think that the, the amazing thing for me is, it's like the combination of the sleep, the meditation and the food is like been insane to me at how much of a difference that makes. I mean, it's just, yeah. and the exercise. I mean, I, I don't exercise a ton. I probably do four days a week, um, which is a lot for me. I was doing none before. And uh, I just, but I just think that combination is like really amazing. It's power. And then like to think about like, imagine we take like a slice of your day now. Yeah. And compare it to a slice of your day before all this. Oh, I mean, I would literally want to pull my car over on the side of the road and take a nap. Yeah. And that's 70% of the population, yeah. you know? Like, yeah. Like you want to do that. And now it's like you have energy, you're yeah. there with your family. It's like, what's the value in that? Like, how would you price that? Oh. And then, you know, that's how you figure out the return. It's priceless. Yeah. I mean, really? Yeah. So, and then think about that for company and for people, employees, like, the other thing, too, is like if you give that back to an employee and it, it makes them more productive at work, that's great. But think about if it makes them happier at home and their family life gets better and all those things happen, then think about the reverse that you get back, which is they're so happy coming to work and they want to do a good job and they want to be productive and they're just leading a more fulfilled life. It just it makes everyone win. Right, right. And you're paying people so much money every day, every hour. It's like you want those hours to be locked in. Yeah. You want people to be excited and happy. Yeah. What? So so why, you know, and this is just, you know, if you look at John Hancock, like super forward thinking on the life insurance side, the vitality program. I'm yep. sure you have cutting edge HR. Like, you know, and I know HR's incentives are a lot about like cost cutting and, and, and medical spend and all of that. Like, why is this something, you know, and, and HR in so many ways does amazing work, but... How do you, how, what would be your coaching to, you know, other leaders about how, you know, is this something that comes in through sales or through another executive or is this coming in through, you know, HR? Yeah, no, it didn't come. HR does do stuff, by the way. They do meditation programs. They do all that. I think the difference is, is that, um, and maybe I'm just biased because I'm a salesperson, but I think sales is just such a, we're just, salespeople are just different animals. Um, and I think anything that comes from HR, we're kind of like, eh, it's corporate. When it comes through sales, for sales, they're like, this is for me. I like it. And and I think it's a little bit more um, applicable to what they're doing specifically. And I think when you tailor it to the person or to the group, I think there's more buy-in. It's, it's a little weird, I know. But I just think when it comes from HR, it's like you got to find it yourself. You got to go look for it. You're with like 
computer programmers in something where you're like, I have no, no relation to these people <laughs> at all. Like it's just, right. it's different. Interesting. Yeah, I know we've heard that, that, that if, if HR leads it, adoption is just so low versus, you know, yeah. if sales leads it. Yeah. Um, and adoption is really what matters anyway. So I'm going to let you go because I know we're, we're pretty much over time here, but I want to leave with one final tip for the audience, which is, uh, is there one thing that you've done? And I, we've talked a lot about, about different things you've done, but is there one thing that comes to mind that sort of rises above the rest of, uh, that, that you feel has had an outsized impact on how you show up every day, you know, at work and at home. Um, and you know, could be just the combination of activities you're doing to support your own well-being. But, um, is there something that for you comes to mind is like that, that one thing is powerful. Yeah, so I um I've been taking the meditation class actually with the people because um, I always feel like you can get better and I wanted to learn a little bit more. Um, and one of the things I learned in that in September and I've been doing it every day, even on the weekends, and it has made a huge difference in me is I meditate for five minutes at my desk before I start my day, and then as soon as I'm done, I write down the three things I want to get done that day. And it could be work, it could be home. Like I don't, I'm not, I wasn't always home. COVID's been really great for me because I actually see my girls. I have a 12 and a 14 year old, like I had told you. And um, you know, it may be that I want to go to, you know, watch the swim meet on Zoom because I can't go. But you know, something like that. I, I think it just helps me focus because there's a lot of different things that can compete for our attention. And I find being on Zoom all day, it's very hard to stay focused, and I get very ADD. Um, and I think that five minute meditation centers me for the day and then having the three or four things that I say, I'm really going to get this done that, that day. It's so nice at the end of the day to say like, oh my gosh, I got three of the four done or oh, I only got two, but at least it's in the back of my head and I, I kind of think it keeps me focused. So I would say that that's been kind of a game changer for me. I love that. Something so simple. So simple, you yeah. know, and and to get started. Cool. This has been so, so fun to be able to, so fun. to to discuss. Yeah, and just to hear your story from, you know, thinking sales might be interesting to making it a career out of it, now really leading in so many ways, uh, helping people just be more fulfilled at work and, and ultimately, you know, produce as well. But, um, but it's all part of the same, you know, unified theory. So uh, it's, yeah. it's exciting to see that play out and, and really looking forward to getting to do some work together and improving awesome. out some ROI and, and getting people sleeping better. Would love it. Thanks, Katie. Thanks, Jeff. Have a good weekend. Cheers. Cheers. You too. Bye. To learn more about how we work with sales organizations to drive measurable improvements in revenue, productivity, and well-being, head over to our website at risescience.com. Now, if you're an individual interested in using sleep to get more out of your day, you can download our app, Rise, on any app store, iOS, or Android. You can also email me at jeff at risescience.com to discuss anything you heard on the show today or to nominate a great guest. We'd love to hear from you. The Rise Science Podcast is produced by Candice Kahn and Lola Feiger. Music in today's episode is by Blue Dot Sessions, and thanks to the entire Rise Science team for their help with writing and research. I'm Jeff Kahn. I'll talk to you next time. Sleep well.